The sermon, preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells on December 16, 2012, based on Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit points us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, are the words he first gave to the prophet Malachi, recorded in chapter 3. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Your friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. <coughs> Bottled water comes in clear containers usually. They want you to be able to see how pure their product is. If, if the container were decorated all nicely but the water was dirty, how disgusting that would be. Now our inborn natural selves since the fall into sin, like to dress up our outward appearance while at the same time denying the filth that is on the inside of each of us. Jesus used a term for this. He, he called it whitewashed tombs. And, and just picture that. Whitewashed, all pretty and proper on the outside, but what's on the inside of a tomb? The stench of death and rotting flesh much more or much worse than dirty bottled water. And so, dear friends, what good news, what great good news that Jesus has come to purify you and me. Our inborn sinful nature just brings us death and hell, but Jesus comes to purify. That's the theme here this morning. How much we need to be purified, part one. And how blessed we are that Jesus came to do just that, part two. Part one. Water purifiers will often claim to give 99.9% pureness. Now, I don't think any claim 100% because that'd be too easy to disprove and people seem satisfied with 99.9%, that's pure enough. And the danger comes when that mindset also infects our spiritual thinking. And, and that's really the, the, the natural thinking that our fallen minds have, is to think that God will be satisfied with pure enough. It goes along like this. You know, if I do my best, if I try hard, won't God be satisfied? If I do what's within myself, how can he be upset with that? He can't really expect 100% perfection because 
Who, who could give him that? That'd be unreasonable. That's our natural mindset ever since the fall into sin. And yet, dear friends, are any of you, are any of us, pure enough to stand in the presence of the holy God? 99.9% does not is not good enough to endure the day of his coming. Remember what Jesus says here. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. Yes, picture how gold and silver is purified. The fire melts down the precious metal so that any impurity, no matter how deeply hidden, is exposed and burnt away. And when you hear of soap here, don't think of Johnson's No More Tears baby shampoo, no. Rather picture the dirty, greasy wool that's waxy with lanolin. Once it's sheared from the sheep, the launderer has to use powerful soap or even lye in order to get it clean in a process called scouring. Are any of us clean enough to stand before the holy God who can endure the day of his coming? For he requires 100% pureness. Yes, Jesus is coming to judge the living and the dead. Who can stand when he appears? For his fiery, burning eyes penetrate even to the darkest most hidden corner of our hearts, our most secret hiding places. Even 99.9% isn't pure enough. And how far, far short of that you and I fall. How much we need to be purified. And so did the people in the days of the prophet Malachi. He preached in the 5th century B.C. and was the last of the Old Testament prophets recorded in scripture. A remnant of the people of Judah had returned from exile in Babylon and rebuilt the temple. And they were not going to be running after other gods like their ancestors had done. That had brought God's punishment and they had learned their lesson. Or so they thought. Or so they thought. But even though they went through the outward actions of worshiping the Lord... For example, they brought their sacrifices to the temple and didn't go sacrifice on the high places to foreign gods. They went through the outward service of worshiping the Lord. But he wasn't first in their hearts. For example, in the first chapter, Malachi confronts them with the sacrifices they were bringing. Yes, they were bringing them to the Lord at the temple, but they were bringing the sick and the, the crippled animals. They're just going to get burnt up anyway. They weren't giving their best to the Lord. And later on, he confronts them about their their offerings, that they were holding back a part of their offerings because they were worried about having enough for themselves rather than trusting in the Lord. Who has first place in your heart, dear friends? Yes, we come here to worship, even braving the slippery roads out here, But then our minds so easily wander on other things. Is that giving the Lord our best? We put our envelopes or 
in the offering plate or write out that check, and then we worry about paying the credit card bill. Is that trusting the Lord with all our hearts? And when it comes to our hearts, if he does not have first place, then then our hearts are not pure. And if our hearts are not pure, that corrupts all that we do so that even our best is just like dirty rags, as the prophet Isaiah writes. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Again, think about that bottled water. Yes, 99.9% pure would be okay if that impurity is, for example, a grain of sand, that's not going to hurt you. But if that impurity is the toxin of botulinum, then it doesn't matter if it's 99.9% pure. Even 99.99999% would still kill us. Just one teaspoon of that poison could kill a billion people, they say. And just one sin, no matter how small, brings eternal death and hell, the Bible says. How much we need to be purified. And what great good news that that is what Jesus came to do, to purify you and me, not 99.9% pure, but 100% pure pure, how blessed we are. And that brings us to the second part, how blessed we are, for Jesus comes to purify. Malachi writes, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his people. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus refers to the words here and makes it clear that the first messenger mentioned is John the Baptist. And as you heard in the gospel today, he came and prepared the way, how? By preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. For you see, there is a part of us our inborn sinful nature, which, which, which controlled us before Jesus came. And that inborn nature wants to say, I'll help out. Let me do something so to, to help bring forgiveness to me. Even if it's just a little bit, just let me do something, God. You see, our sinful nature wants to try to help out in some way so that we can claim a little bit of the glory, just a a, a sliver of the credit. But that, dear friends, that is the very thing that blocks Jesus from our hearts. That's why John came to prepare the way to crush those mountains of, of, of pride, even though we think we're only asking for a little bit of participation. Anything that thinks that we can help out even in the least little bit is like a mountain blocking Jesus from the heart. Again, think about our illustration of that bottled water. The least little bit of that toxin botulinum makes the whole bottle deadly. 
And so also, the sin in me and the sin in you poisons us and all that we do. And as we realize just how helpless and powerless we are, we desire and seek the one, the only one, who can purify us. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He is the messenger of the new covenant. God's promise of forgiveness. That he remembers our sins no more. Jesus is the word, the message made flesh. And that is why we prepare to celebrate his birth at Christmas, because he came to purify you and me. Not just partially, but fully. He came to purify you, dear friend. How blessed we are. For you see, what we were powerless to do, Jesus did. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sins, the scriptures declare. What great good news. What great good news. All sins, it says. It doesn't leave a little bit left for us to do. Or it doesn't make us take the first step in any sort of way. He purifies us from all sins. That is God's promise, his covenant. A full pardon, complete forgiveness, flawless righteousness. And this comes only, only from Jesus Christ. Only he, only his blood shed on the cross truly purifies. How blessed we are. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? You can, dear Christian. You can. But only through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that looks to Jesus alone for that full and free forgiveness that purifies us. Faith that abandons all hope in ourselves, our own efforts, and leans on Jesus. Jesus alone. What wonderful, wonderful news. How blessed we are. And this good news not only prepares us for that day of judgment when Jesus comes so that we can stand dressed in his righteousness, purified by his blood, it also changes the way we look at our actions each day until then. For you see, dear friends, Jesus not only purifies you, he also purifies what you and I do. As we speak our words of love and do our acts of service out of faith in Jesus, they are acceptable and pleasing offerings to our God. Oh, not because of any goodness that we add to them, no. But because Jesus washes them clean, purifies them. You heard the text here mention the Levites. They were helpers of the priests. And in the same way, dear friends, through faith in Jesus, you are Levites and priests. So that all that you do is an offering of service to your God. And I'm not just talking about church work here. But what you do as you carry out your responsibilities in life and faithfully do the roles that God gives you, when you do that out of faith, they are acceptable, pleasing offerings to your God. 
Just think about that. What you do in the home, as you carry out your role as husband or wife, as parent or child, that is an offering pleasing and acceptable to God. As you serve in the community, in school, in, in, in the church or in the home, in the workplace, all that you do out of faith in Jesus is that kind of acceptable offering as the last verse of the text mentions here, acceptable to the Lord. Again, not because those works are good even of themselves, but because Jesus purifies them. How blessed you are. Just think how this elevates everything that we do out of faith in Jesus. Whether it's, it's dealing with that co-worker or neighbor, whether that's working hard at school, studying, whether that's playing on the athletic field, whether that's praying for our family or, or even our enemies, all that you do out of faith in Jesus is elevated to that acceptable, pleasing offering to your God because Jesus purifies you. How blessed we are. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.